My name is Andrew Gomison, and it is my privilege each and every week to be your host for the Speaking for Him podcast. Whether you are a first-time listener or whether you are returning as a long-time listener, I hope that you will find something that will encourage you on this journey that we call the Christian life. We need each other, and we need to remember that it is a marathon, not a sprint. So I truly do hope that something encourages you today in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, because my goal with speaking for him and with this podcast is that people would walk worthy of the calling that God has on their lives. Today, I'm excited to share with you my review of The Jesus Revolution, which is a movie that just came out in theaters this week. I'm excited to be able to share with you a review that I actually recorded back in September because I was able to see an early screener of the film, but an embargo uh, caused me to withhold this review until the movie came out in theaters. So now it's out and I can share it with you and I'm excited to dig into this interesting project with you. So hang tight for that. I want to just thank everyone who listens on a regular basis. You are a very great encouragement to me. I love looking at the numbers and seeing that so many people from around the country and around the world even are listening to the Speaking for Him podcast. So if you've been impacted in any way by the podcast, if you could drop me a line either by email or if you go to my personal Facebook page, you can send me a message there. Or you can leave a voicemail on the blog. I would love to hear from you. And if you have any ideas for future shows, please leave them. Uh, Doing a show for over a decade is a lot of content, and it can be difficult to come up with what's new. And I also want to make sure that even as I am doing this podcasting, uh, because I love it and because I care about people, that I make sure that I am producing content that will benefit them and that will help them. So if you have any topics that you would like discussed, if you have any questions that you would like addressed on the podcast, don't hesitate to reach out and there will be contact information rolling at the end of the show. So make sure that you avail yourself of that. And so now let's get started with what is going on. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting that most generations kind of look back at their childhoods as the good old days. And I hate to use that tired cliche, but even thinking about the way the the country has changed in the time since I have become an adult, it's sobering. And actually, the biggest changes have taken place in the last three years. There's always been uh, anti-God indoctrination in the world, uh, and there's always been people that want to promote things that are not the least bit biblical, but those people are not hiding anymore. Uh, they are out in the middle of the public square, and so it's important for us to be prepared to deal with them, to raise our children in such a way that they realize that there is absolute truth and that it absolutely matters. This this sort of what I think is the worst pandemic, this sense of victimhood is coming and rising to the top, and it's a, it's a danger to our society today. You're seeing it right now, unfortunately. Uh, this woke culture, uh, trying to 
sort of inflict their views uh, on on other people who can't have a, a dissenting opinion, and it's killing the dialogue. And you've got the victims now becoming the majority. And when victims become the majority, you see the certain, you know, the cancel culture uh, coming around. Being a warrior is about a mindset, not carrying a gun. Uh, there is a difference between war fighters and warriors. They're not necessarily mutually exclusive, but all the people I served with in the military were not warriors. In fact, the abundance of them were war fighters, but just lacked a mindset. There are some bad narratives out there. The sense uh, of people telling others that uh, they have so little because somebody else has so much. And that's just not true. Behind success, there is stories and trials and tribulation and resiliency. And people had to earn the, the, the right to where they're at and what, what they have, whether that's possessions, happiness, whatever it may be. Another form of victimhood is entitlement. You're entitled to free money from the government. You're entitled to this, or we should take from somebody else to give you more. And that is the ultimate victim mentality. It's saying, I have no control over my life. Another part of victimhood is this fixed mindset. I am who I am and I can't improve. So it's someone else's fault. We take a hit at social media. There's great things about social media, but there are also some bad things. And one of those bad things is everyone has a microphone. And, you know, what we've seen with victimhood is social media in a way uh, promotes victimhood. What people don't understand is there's a difference between victimhood and vulnerability. And vulnerability is one of the most admirable traits any warrior can have. But when somebody does it time and time again and they get this attention of, oh, poor you and, you know, you deserve better. It's not your fault. Well, that becomes addictive because they're getting attention in a negative way. And so they become addicted to that victimhood and the attention that it gets them. The, the sort of affirmation that, hey, there, nothing is within their control, that they can remain lazy, that they, 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 they don't have to take the hard steps to turn their lives over. You look at the public education, our kids are not being taught attributes or how to lead or accountability or discipline. They're not being taught those things. Instead, they're being taught things again that reinforce that they're victims and uh, that they, they aren't in control of their circumstances. The problem is us. It's my generation. It's not the uh, the kids. It's being forced upon them. We I talk about you know eleven principles I, I learned from from these warriors warriors. One of which the Marine Corps and the U.S. Army teach as one of the the foundations of leadership is set the example. When we see leadership at its worst, where it should be at its best, the national capital region, Washington D.C. They are setting a poor example for the next generation to follow. There is zero, close to zero accountability amongst our national leaders. It's no surprise when the work habits of the younger generation are different. We're not creating a generation of warriors, everyday warriors, warriors within their respective professions. Instead, we're creating victims who think they're entitled to certain things and that nothing is their fault. We need to look heavily at our education system. We need to look heavily at our families on what we're teaching our children and preparing them to face the challenges, which are probably going to be more steep and severe than what we've faced, but preparing them to answer those challenges and drive America forward into the next century. Hard choices lead to an easy life. Easy choices lead to an unmemorable life that nobody would want to read about. How do you climb a mountain? One step at a time. How do you build a business? One brick at a time. How do you change your life? One day at a time. 
So don't expect to be in a bad space, bad space. And then, you know, expect changes overnight. That's not going to happen. Take it one day at a time, one step at a time and incrementally expose yourself to change inter, in, you know, incrementally expose yourself to discomfort, things that make you uneasy, things that give you anxiety. Like if it's speaking in front of people and before you know it, after a year, you're going to look back and you're going to see how many steps you've taken, how many victories you've incurred failure that you've learned from and your life will be in a better position, but nobody can help you, but you. And that was retired Navy SEAL Mike Cirilli. And I really like what he had to share. I like the way he talked about pulling your kids out of a victim mentality and showing them that it's up to them to make their future happen. Now, of course, we know through the biblical worldview lens that God is primary in this pursuit, that the things that God calls us to are the things that are going to be successful because God opens doors that no one can shut and he shuts doors that no one can open. And so we need to to keep that at the forefront. But from a human perspective, it is us that decide whether we are going to live in victory or live as a victim. I had that moment as a 14-year-old boy where God came to me after I went to a conference and said, Andrew, you have a choice here. You can either become bitter and stay bitter. I actually was already bitter, so I didn't need help becoming bitter. But you can be bitter or you can be better. And I made a choice as a 14-year-old boy to become better. Now, I have to make that choice over and over again. There have been other times in my life where I have struggled. But overall, that decision that I made when I was 14 stuck. And I've been able to accomplish a lot for the kingdom of God because of that. And I like how he he says, some people that I fought with when I was a Navy SEAL were warriors and others were war fighters. In other words, everyone's in the war, but not everyone is equipped to fight the war. That's why Paul says to put on the armor of God. And the way it's written in Ephesians, it implies that it's a regular thing that we must discipline ourselves to do. It doesn't happen by osmosis. We have to make the decision to put on the armor of God and to fight our battles with God as our leader, with God at our side, but to be prepared for the things that he allows us to go through and to be warriors for him. And so I really like that. And I hope that if you have a young person in your life today that could benefit from this man's wise words, that you would share it with them. The YouTube link will be on the blog if you don't want to share with them the whole podcast. I would hope that you'd be sharing my whole podcast, but if you don't want to share the whole thing, you may share the YouTube link from the blog, and I hope that a lot of people will benefit from this man's words. I like the way he talks about major projects as you... You climb a mountain one step at a time. You build a business one brick at a time. It's not something that happens overnight. And I'm as guilty as the next guy of having projects that I want to do and looking at the finished project and allowing that in certain ways to distract me from 
the process of the project. So I'm talking to myself as much as I am talking to the rest of you. And now I would like to share with you a clip, since we are talking about the movie Jesus Revolution today, I want to share with you a clip about a powerful testimony that came out of the filming of that movie. And their movie, Jesus Revolution, ended up being a revelation for one actor who they took a chance on. So this character is a Vietnam vet uh, that comes home from the war and is kind of homeless and a drug addict. And uh, in the midst of us casting the film, there was this social media story about this kid uh, named Sean Weiss. And if you remember back when you know we were younger, there was the Mighty Ducks movies, mm-hmm. right? The goalie played uh, in that movie was this kid, Goldberg. He was the heavy set. Goldberg. Kind of, Goldberg. Yeah. yeah. Everybody loved Goldberg. <laughs> well, the kid that played him, Sean Weiss, after being a kid actor, bottomed out, got into drugs and got into meth and ended up being homeless on the streets of L.A. After being on meth and almost dying, he had just tried to get into to recovery and had gotten sober and his story hit social media. Well, our boss at Lionsgate, who's not a Christian, saw the story and was like, in this kind of one of the people that you're telling about in the story? He's like, you ought to put him in the movie. And we like, that's a great idea. We flew him in. And when we got to that baptism scene on the beach of Pirate's Cove, Greg Laurie was there on set. And before we started doing the scene, Sean comes up to Greg and is like, can you walk me through how to pray this prayer for real? Because I want to make this decision. And I want you to baptize me for real. Everybody cheered. And then he got baptized for real after making a decision for Christ. And it was just like this organic thing that happened that no nobody planned on. But it just was kind of imitated what the movie was about. And it's a, it's a pretty cool movie that's both rebellious and super, super overt in its content. This story really moved me um, because I was a big Mighty Ducks fan as a kid. And so I was familiar with Sean Weiss as Goldberg. And I had read that he was going to do the movie. I had seen a social media post in a news story about how grateful he was to get a break back into acting and that he was thankful to the Irwin brothers for that opportunity. But until I listened to the Wally show a couple days ago, I didn't realize that he had made a personal decision for Christ as a result of being involved in this film. And so I just think that is really exciting to think that, that God is, is bearing fruit through these movies. And I think it's something very important that Andy Irwin said is that sometimes Christian filmmakers will put a priority on having Christian actors do their films. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's good to have people that believe in your project. But one of the things that the Irwins believe is that their films are, in some ways, their mission field, even the making of them. And so if they can bring people into their films that aren't necessarily believers and spend days, weeks, and months talking to them about the things of the Lord, that's an exciting thing. And we see in this clip about Sean Weiss that it it did bear some results. So that is, to me, a, a very exciting thing. And I can't wait to see what fruit that will continue to bear in Sean's life. So if you think of Sean Weiss, uh, Maybe if you're watching Mighty Ducks or if you if his name just pops into your head after listening to this podcast, could you maybe pray for him? I know it's not easy to be a new Christian, especially in the environment of Los Angeles or Hollywood. And I know that the devil would like nothing better than to plant seeds of doubt in Sean's mind and 
to rob him of his joy. Um, and I know it seems weird for us to pray for someone who is a Hollywood star. Um, but I got to tell you that I have been convicted on multiple occasions that Hollywood stars, even though sometimes stories about them can be annoying, that they are human and that they need Jesus just as much as you or I. So I just encourage you to give that some thought and prayer if he comes to your mind. Hey, Square. I am not a square. I think we should invite Greg this weekend. What's this weekend? These people are hippies, rebels against old-fashioned authority. I think these kids need help. They need is a bath. You're passing judgment on people you know nothing about. Maybe that's why your church is so empty. When God walks in here, brings me a hippie. I'll ask him what it's all about. I do not understand. This house has a very good vibe. There is an entire generation searching. Slow down, man. Slow down. Just in all the wrong places. If you want to reach my people, you need to speak to them in a language they understand. If I bring them in, I'm going to lose my job. We can only walk through doors open to us. In your church, that's a door that's shut. Probably noticed we have some guests here today. I'd like you to meet my new friends. Welcome. They don't belong here. Half of them aren't even wearing shoes. They're staining the new shag carpet. They need our help. If you feel like you're misunderstood and judged, you will find forgiveness and freedom right here. That was awesome. Now that door is open any time of day. And if there are some who don't like that, well then that door works both ways. All right, Pastor, let's begin. I was almost done with this, but then you did what nobody else would even dare. This thing that we found, I feel like I belong. You're going to need a bigger church. country is a dark and divided place, but now there's hope and it's spreading. This is your home and I want you to tell all your friends about it. So there is the trailer for the Jesus Revolution. I'm excited to share with you this review. Before I do that, though, I want to point out that last year I profiled for you the film The Jesus Music, which was a documentary about the evolution of contemporary Christian music, which kind of directly came out of this era of the Jesus Revolution, which was actually coined that by a Time magazine writer who wrote that on the cover story of the magazine in the 1970s on a particular issue. So that's where this this title comes from Greg Laurie wrote a book about the Jesus revolution. And that is the main source material for this film. And among other stories, this film features the story of Greg Laurie, who is the pastor of harvest church in California. So without further ado, please allow me to share with you my review of Jesus Revolution. 
this film stars Joel Courtney and Anna Grace Barlow in the title roles of Greg and Kathy Laurie and chronicles their courtship from their meeting to their establishing a ministry in Southern California, which they currently still are a part of. And it was a very good film. And I just want to discuss a little bit about it while it's still fresh in my mind because I had the opportunity to see an early screener of it. And so I just want to get my thoughts down and recorded so that I can share this in the future and be prepared when I'm allowed to share it with you. I, I first want to thank Sermon.net for availing its users of this opportunity to see uh, Jesus Revolution early. I think that's one of the things as a podcaster and wanting to be on the current edge of content that is something that I have greatly desired to do is to just be able to share information as it comes out and not always come at it much later after it has already been published. So it's a great opportunity to be able to review this with you. I want to start out with our quote of the day. And the quote of the day comes from Kelsey Grammer's character, who is Pastor Chuck Smith. Uh, he was something of a mentor to Greg Laurie, and he says, near the end of the film, when he's about to launch Greg onto his own church ministry, he says these wise words. God has a long history of using flawed people. And I think that's the first thing that I want to say as I kick off this review is that Jesus Revolution is about just that. It's about flawed people. And I think as we've gone through the years, there have been any number of movements, some labeled as movements, others not so much. Often I feel like quote-unquote movements of the Christian church get labeled that from outside of the Christian church. Um, this particular movement was the Jesus Revolution of the 1970s, which was a direct reaction to the hippie culture. And God raised up some people to lead uh, these wandering hippies to the truth of the gospel. Now, one thing that I will also say at the outset of this review is that I realize that in every movement there are people that embrace the truth of the scriptures, and there are also people who allow it to go to their head and make the movement about them. And you see both things portrayed in this film. In the beginning of the film, you see a pastor who is desperate to see his church grow, and then you see a young Greg Laurie who, as a teenager in high school, is seeking for answers in his life. He's had a rough life. As far as he knows, his father has abandoned him, and he and his mom are on their own. His mom is a drunk 
who is not living a godly life at all, and she has often gone off on her own with little regard for how it is affecting Greg. There's one scene fairly early on in the film where you see uh, Greg sitting in a bar waiting for his mom, and his mom picks up a guy and actually basically pretends that she's a single lady looking for some fun out on the town, and then Greg confronts her, and he realizes that she is a mom and has a son and then walks away, and of course she is upset. And then you see this whole story unfold. It starts out with Greg in military school. His mom is trying to do at least something right by him, so she sticks him in military school, and he sees his future wife in a park across from the school with some of her friends. They invite him to a concert. They don't say that it was Woodstock, so I'm not sure if it was indeed Woodstock, but it was something like that, and they get all hyped up, and they start to take drugs. And so you see over the next few minutes of the film that they kind of spiral into this drug culture, and then they get a scare when Kathy's sister has a really bad trip and she she comes very close to dying and it really shakes up Kathy and she's not sure how to go about living so she's trying to figure stuff out uh well at some point she uh comes in contact uh, with the people of Calvary Chapel where a revival of sorts is breaking out over, through the leadership of Chuck Smith and the preaching also of an eccentric hippie preacher by the name of Lonnie Frisbee. And as the film goes on, you see Kathy getting more interested in that. She urges Greg to join her, and Greg does, and he finds a place that seems like home, but then he says that, you know, Every time I feel like I have something in my life, it gets taken away from me. So what if this is another one of those things? And so I I really felt for him. And I think that that is one of the things that is a strength of this film is that you feel for the characters. You want them to succeed. You don't want them to to make the wrong steps and to and to make decisions that will hinder them in the long run. So you really want to to see things go forward in a good way. And so we really see Greg embracing th- this Christian lifestyle after dealing with drugs and seeing the futility of it all. And... So then he begins to change, and you really see the the process of learning to use the interests and the skills that he has um, in a new way. One thing that's made clear very early on in the film is that he's an artist. I actually don't think I knew that Greg Laurie was that much of an artist, but apparently it was a big part of his youth, and it's something that he still does. And so one of the things you see him do is that Chuck helps him to publish a gospel track using his art to share the gospel. And you see this movement 
continue to grow um, after he finally makes a decision to trust God and, and take the leap to realize that this could be something permanent and not something that is temporary. Uh, to back up a little bit, you know, he, he struggles uh, early on, like I said, with making a commitment full on to Jesus Christ. And then he comes to their very public baptism in Pirate's Cove, which is an area of beach um, in the Costa Mesa, California area. And he decides to place his faith and trust in Jesus Christ and be baptized that day. And it changes his life. But he still continues to struggle with many of the things that he had struggled with before. And I think that that is an interesting perspective because I really feel like I have been on a similar journey as that. Because for me, when I came to know the Lord Jesus, it was as a five-year-old boy. And I know that it was real, and I know that my eternal security was put in place that day. But I also know that I struggled for the next nine years to come to terms with what God wanted to do in my life. And I struggled with this idea that if I trusted him, I expected everything to go the way that I wanted it to go with little regard to the to the fact that God had a different plan for me. And that his plan was the best. And so I really resonated with this story for that reason. So you, you see this ministry continue to grow and expand, uh, from early on in the film when Lonnie is just a, a kind of a vagabond wandering preacher to when he gets, uh, involved with Chuck Smith's church, starts preaching there and all of a sudden, all of these hippies come and grow the church that Chuck Smith was in. And and you see the church expand by leaps and bounds in the ensuing months and years. And I really liked, I think most of all, the story of Greg and Kathy Laurie. They were the ones that I could identify with. My dad discovered Greg Laurie several years ago and he's a solid Bible teacher, so to get a chance to to see his background and to see what he overcame um, and to see it play out on the big screen was a thrill for me, and I'm sure it was a thrill for him watching this film be made. And I thought that the, the actors that were picked um, for them, uh, Joel Courtney and Anna Grace Barlow, were very well um, cast and... I thought they did a, a fine job of portraying all of the emotions found within this story. And I think it will be a benefit to people watching. Now, what are some things that I didn't like about the film? Well, I think, as I said, anything that becomes a big movement uh, can have negative ramifications when it's more about the movement than it is about the person and work of Jesus Christ. And I think you see some of that happening. Um, I definitely am not a Pentecostal, so I kind of lean away from some of that instant healing stuff. I don't think that you can demand that God heal anybody. And so there were a couple scenes where where that was kind of taking place. Now, the movie didn't take a stance on it, didn't definitively say that that was correct 
or that it was not correct, but it was definitely something uh, that I was thinking about as I was watching this movie is how appropriate was that. And then you have the situation where Greg is really getting excited about his faith in the Lord and, and things really seem to be going well. He ends up living in kind of a Christian commune with a bunch of these, these new Christians and seems to be really growing in his faith, growing in his opportunities with the church that he's involved in, even though he will tell Kathy's dad later in the film that it's just a volunteer opportunity at this point and he doesn't have any solid leads on income, but everything seems to be going well. And then he starts to struggle again. And this is where I really related to him because I, I've told the story in my own testimony where I, I trusted Christ when I was five. I rededicated my life to Christ when I was 14. And both of those events were life changing events that were sincere and were important to me. But then I had a situation when I was 27, 28, where it was like God was saying, but do you really believe these things that you've been telling people all these years? And so I had to come to grips with who God was and, and what he was saying to me as, as a believer in the Lord Jesus. And this is a situation that Greg finds himself in uh, because he gets um, an opportunity to speak at a, at a new church Um that where Chuck Smith is trying to help them grow their ministry. They don't really respond to him that well. So that opportunity gets shut down. He sees his mom get in a car accident. Uh, he sees his desire to marry his wife, Kathy being rejected by her father initially and just a bunch of different things happening to him over the course of this second act of the movie where he's being challenged in his newfound faith. And as I said, I, I I really resonated with that because I think sometimes we as believers think that, Hey, if we, if we trust God, it's going to be a bed of roses. Everything is going to work out for us. And that's not the way that life works. There are challenges along the way. And so but him being able to go back to his mom and to tell her about his faith. And she says, you know, I think your faith seems real. And he says, yes, it absolutely is real. So I really, I really liked that, uh, part of the, part of the movie. I liked the fact, uh, that this pastor, Chuck Smith, he, he seemed to battle with some of the old fashioned, uh, people in this church, uh, because they didn't want to let these less than desirable people into their church. And he was willing to lose members of his congregation to reach out to these people that so desperately needed help. And so again, this is, this is just real life, the nitty gritty of, of meeting other people's needs. And I really do think that one of the strengths of this era, at least as portrayed by this movie, is to remind us that uh, the Christian life and Christian evangelism and Christian discipleship are all about people. It's not about programs. It's not about how big you can get your offerings to be when you take up the collection. It's about the people that you can affect for the Lord Jesus. 
Now, in this film, Lonnie is portrayed as someone who starts out with good intentions, but starts to get a big head and starts to kind of believe that this ministry that he is involved in is about him and not about Jesus. And that can be a dangerous mindset for anyone to be in. And so we need to make sure that we are very clearly battling that in our own lives and that we do not take for granted any opportunity that Jesus gives us to minister and that we make it about him. And I think that, I think that's a really huge thing uh, for our churches to be aware of today is to realize that church isn't about performance. Church isn't about feeling comfortable. Church is about um, meeting with God's people and becoming a better person um, and being able to go out and minister in a world that is dark because of the time that you spent with God's people. Another thing that I would say bothered me a little bit was the emphasis on baptism. Now, don't get me wrong. I think baptism is very important, uh, but I think it almost kind of implied in this movie that baptism was a requirement for salvation. And I firmly believe that you are saved at the moment that you call upon the name of the Lord. I do believe that baptism is a command from God, and I don't believe that it should be delayed by a baptism class, as some denominations would have it done. I believe that being baptized right after you are converted is a good thing. Um, but I think that we need to be very clear that it is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and only believing on the Lord Jesus Christ that is what brings us salvation. Paul said in Acts 16.31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. So, I think it's very clear that that is the way of salvation, and baptism is a way to identify to others that we are indeed saved and working to honor the king in everything that we do. And so I really hope that people uh, will go out and, and see this film and consider what God did in that time. I think that sometimes the things that God does are in unexpected ways, and I definitely see that in the scriptures because if you look at Jesus' ministry, it was often the people that were the prim and proper ones who were not able to be ministered to because they didn't realize their need for the Lord. When the publicans and sinners, on the other hand, knew they needed a Savior, and so they were able to get redemption. Jesus said, I'm come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, meaning that those who think they're righteous can't be helped, but those who know they're not can get the redemption that only Jesus offers. So I'm going to give this film a three and a half out of five rating um, for some of the reasons that I have outlined here. As I said, I think that anytime you have something called a movement, there are good and bad things that come out of it. Greg Laurie is obviously an example of a changed life who's continuing to minister the true gospel of the Lord Jesus and continuing to share uh, his truth with the world. And I'm so grateful for his ministry. I've been blessed 
by it myself. And so that's the exciting thing about seeing his story unfold. And it seems that through the course of the film, um, he won over uh, his wife's father and was able to get permission to marry his wife. And they've been together for almost 50 years, which is, which is really exciting. And God is good. And we need examples of marriage like that in today's day and age, because so many people think of marriage as something that is temporary when God says it's for better, for worse, and for a lifetime. And so we need to keep that in mind. Uh, I, I really thought that Kelsey Grammer did well. I think it's interesting. I was reading about the film and it said uh, something about Jim Gaffigan being in it. But I think that Kelsey Grammer probably fits the part better of Chuck Smith, and I really appreciated his portrayal. I liked the way they showed his relationship with his wife and his relationship with his daughter as very sincere. Um, I thought that uh, Jonathan Rumi was convincing as Lonnie Frisbee. They, they showed some footage of Lonnie after the film was over, some actual footage, and I thought they were very comparable. Um, I just thought overall, this is a very well cast film. Like I said, it made you care about the characters. And I think also made you want to know more about some of the characters that weren't necessarily featured or at least prominently featured like Kathy's sister. She makes very few appearances in the movie, but yet her appearances are impactful. Like I said, on screen, you saw her have a really bad drug overdose and she survived it, but it dramatically changed and directed the course of Kathy's and Greg's life. So it was a powerful scene and a powerful event in their lives. So I think that's about all I have to share at this time regarding this film. As I said, it comes out February 23rd, and so it would be good to get a group and go to the theaters. And if nothing else, I think it's a good discussion starter about the things that are important in faith and the things that we overemphasize. Uh, because as I said, it's not about programs. It's not, um, it's about people. Um, and it's about Jesus, um, and not other accomplishments. So those are important things to know. And there you have my review of Jesus Revolution, a new movie which is now in theaters. I'd encourage you to go see it. Maybe take your older teens. I would say maybe 15 or 16 on up and watch it with them and then discuss the topics and the stories within the film. Again, Greg Laurie's story is very powerfully portrayed in this film, and you can find more about Greg by going to Google and typing in Harvest Ministries. Uh, he has a daily radio program, and he does crusades, and he's very solid uh, biblically based, and so I would encourage you to check him out. That's about all I have time for today on the show, uh, but I hope you've enjoyed this review, and that if you have, you will share it with your family and friends. Uh, 
I really want people to know when there's good quality entertainment out there. And I think that the Irwin brothers did it again. It's kind of interesting watching uh, Christian film grow in these past few years. The Kendrick brothers largely deal in uh, fiction stories that they write and bring to life. Although their latest life mark was based on a true story. And then the Irwin brothers like to bring true stories to life. Like I can only imagine and I still believe, and now we have Jesus' revolution. So I think it's important to support these brothers in Christ in their mission to bring Jesus to filmgoers. With that being said, I will simply say thank you so much for listening. Have a great week, and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.